Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. So the last will be first and the first last. I'm checking my battery pack. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, I remember, and I did this with our, our uh, first service there. We didn't have a baptism. We had a children's message, uh, which is, by the way, like anybody who says, there's some, there's some people that are like, you should never have children's messages. They're anti-children's messages. Uh, that's insane if you read the Bible. <laughs> like, Jesus is always telling adults who are literally anti-children messages uh, that they're crazy, bring kids up. And the same reason why we baptize babies, by the way. Uh, and it's, you're going to see how that all fits in with today's message and Jesus' words. The first shall be last, the last first. When I was a little person... I remember the first time, and I was telling the kids earlier this, the first time uh, that uh, I got to help my dad with a, a big project. Um, and you'll see kids do this, right? So I don't know what he was doing. Um, my dad always did great big projects. When you get older, you get annoyed by it, you know what I mean, because it's more work. Because you work so hard as a student, on Saturday you deserve rest, right kids, right? And you don't want to be told to do chores. Anyhow, but when you're young, you really like those big projects. You want to help dad, right? And they sell stuff, Fisher-Price, little tool, tool sets, you know what I mean? So, so the little three-year-old can be playing, you know, with his hammer and, and working hard. But I remember, like, give, be given a job and something. And at the time, I remember thinking how important I was that I was helping out, right? So I probably was pounding some nail for all day, right? Got one nail done. And then I probably was like, whoo, that was hard. But I felt like, yeah, I'm a man. I'm helping out dad. We're getting this project done. I deserve to get a little rest later and have a cold beer. I don't know if I did that, but uh, you know, you kind of feel like a man, right? And at some point as you grow up, you look back at those times and you thought you were really important. You're really helping out. And it's, it's like, <laughs> or when you have kids yourself, maybe you're like, oh yeah, I wasn't helping out anybody. I might have even been in the way, you know what I mean? And the joy, I guess, of a little person being involved is you just feel a part of something, uh, even if you're not really helping at all. And I think that's actually the Christian life. It's kind of insulting, isn't it? In fact, I think you get in the way of God's work a little more than you do help with it. That's a little insulting, too. I hope you see that play out in this parable. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now that's how he begins many parables. You're reading a parable, he'll begin, the kingdom of heaven is like, or in Mark, the kingdom of God is like, same thing. You really should read that uh, in terms of basically Jesus saying, this is how God works. 
It's how he works now, and it's how he's going to work. This is how God's reign looks like, in opposition to how the world works or how you do things. So that's really what Jesus is saying. And then he'll give us an illustration to show this is how God does things. And when you're reading that parable, if you don't leave shocked by something, then you're not really listening. Because usually Jesus teaches something that is totally counter to how his society worked at the time, and very likely how we work at the time. So it's almost always the opposite how we run things. Whether it's business management, God's an awful business manager. Whether it's farming, God is an awful farmer. Uh, whether it's uh, relationships, he's totally naive and a sucker and forgives so many times, right? It's always the opposite to how we do things. So Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like this, this owner of a house and probably a better, the, the, uh, an owner of a large piece of property, he's got a vineyard on it. Isn't a vineyard, who loves, I love orchards and vineyards. My, my, my son recently got married up in Traverse City and how gorgeous that vineyard is. It's just life right? Fruitful life. What a great place to get married. And uh, Jesus says, he owns this vineyard, and he needs people to work it. And so he goes out in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. That sounds normal, Uh, especially back then. You had those that were landowners, and you had everybody else who's dependent on them for even a day job. And so you would go out and and stand in the marketplace, and hopefully someone's going to come by, and you're totally fortunate they're going to come by, and they're going to hire you for the day. There's no union. There's no sort of contract for a lifelong and retirement and all that sort of stuff. You're lucky to get that day. You lived on dependence on someone hiring you. And, and maybe, hopefully, a reputation that you're strong, you're big, you look like someone that can work hard. This happens in this country still. There's day laborers. This happens. Uh, right? For, especially for immigrants. You know, you can't get the paperwork all, and all that sort of thing. They, this happens in a lot of cities. This happens throughout the world, probably more than the economy that we're used to. Uh, when I was in Haiti a number of times, this is exactly what happens there. You go early in the morning, people are just lining up and waiting and hoping to get hired for anything. That's how it works. So this is normal, and I hope it makes sense to you, Right? So you're going out there hoping to get hired, and this guy goes out. He finds some workers after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day. By the way, that's a very high amount, a little ridiculous of amount, actually, for what they're going to do. He sends them into his vineyard. Doesn't tell them what to do. Picks them up, gives them a job, sends them into his beautiful vineyard. And going out about the third hour, so he did that right away in the morning, probably right at sunrise. Then he goes out maybe three hours later and finds more people and uh, sends them, sends their, and, and I love this language, right? What does Jesus say? Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. This is the word he's going to use a couple times. I love that description. It's not a good, it's not like, they're rest. It's not like, again, when I'm like 13 and on Saturday I'm resting because life's so hard and my dad tells me to do something. Idle is not a good—no one wants to be idle. And put, your, put yourself in the minds of someone who really doesn't own anything and totally dependent on someone giving you a job. And put yourself in the, in the mind of someone that needs that money to take care of their family. 
And put yourself in the mind of someone who, if you don't work, I mean, work a vocation, right? You all have, like, jobs. It makes you who you are. You feel important having a job. Even as a mom or a dad, it's a value, right? Something to, it just it makes you proud to have a job. The danger of having a society where we have high joblessness isn't just that people aren't getting paid. It's, that's actually not the most important thing. It's just that people don't have a sense of pride, a sense of self-identity. When you have high joblessness in a country, it's an idleness. It is not healthy. Because it's good to feel like you're helping. You're a part of something. So imagine being in that you're just hoping someone hires you so you can go home that night and your wife asks you what you do, you can say, I did something. I helped. I got a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? So here they are, and this guy goes out. At the third hour, he hires them. And then he goes out again, uh, goes out in the sixth hour, the ninth hour. So every three hours, this owner is going to the marketplace and finding people who are idle, meaning they're not doing anything. It's like a meaningless life. Not really coming from anything, not really going anywhere. Idleness. Going nowhere fast. And this guy's picking them up and bringing them to where? A vineyard where the the grapes are coming out, where people are making wine and people are doing stuff together and the wine comes out like blood and the green uh, vines are alive. The opposite of idle or hopelessness. And so they bring them there. And then finally, on the 11th hour, this guy goes out and finds others standing And what does he say to them? Why do you stand here idle all day? The same word. Not jobless. Not lazy. Just idle. And what do they say? Because no one has hired us. And what does this guy say? This is this is four forty-five in the in the uh, in the uh, on the day. The sun is about to start coming down. He's hiring someone to work in his vineyard. Does the guy sound like a good vineyard operator? Does he sound like a good businessman? No. And so he hires these guys the 11th hour, which is today, I think, a phrase that comes from this. Actually, I think culturally, the 11th hour, it was used cross-culture, right? It's late in the day, the 11th hour of the day, right? So you get something done like a teenager, at the 11th, that was me, procrastination, at the 11th hour, I get it in, right? Uh, I, we hear this, right? The 11th hour, this happened. So he picks this guy up at the 11th hour. This guy gets in the back of the truck, gets to the place, steps out of the truck, grabs one grape, and then, bam, day is over. Worthless. And who are these people? Hanging around at the 11th hour, idle. Probably not the strongest. They probably had to endure the whole day of seeing others get picked instead of them. They're probably disabled, trying to hide their disability, or weak, or getting a little beyond the age of being a worker that'd be useful somewhere. The leftovers is who these people are. 
and they probably are tired of going home and, uh, uh, and the wife or the kids or the family or somebody saying, what have you done? And they have to say again, nothing, or maybe they got to lie about it. A meaningless life as you're seeing yourself not strong enough to compete and you feel less, more and more worthless. And this guy comes along and picks you. You know how that will change a person's day? (laughs) You got picked. You did something that day. You were a part of something. And you get to go home later on and say, yeah, I worked today. Someone picked me to those that love you that you're feeding. Here's some money. But it ain't just about the money. It's a sense of identity and purpose and meaning. Pride. Self-esteem. When that guy picked that person at the 11th hour, I promise you that made their day and it had nothing to do with money. Changed their whole outlook. That's Christianity. So the end of the day comes. <laughs> end of the day comes, and the master tells his foreman, hey, gather all the laborers up, and I want you to pay them from the last to the first, right? So the last come up, and they get a denarius, right? A day, and basically, say a, day, a, a denarius is a day's wages, but it's a very good wage for the work they're doing. So for whatever, they, the very last, they did nothing. What they get? Everything. Remember that. They did nothing. They got everything, a fullness, a full day's wage. Well, what would you be doing if you're 10 or whatever your age is? And you see that going on, you get a little excited. If, because how do we think? Quid pro quo. You get what you deserve. People like me because what I do. This guy is going to take care of me for what I have done. That's our relationship. I do, he likes me, or he pays me. I don't care if he even likes me. That's what they're used to. That's how we judge people. That's how we even do our relationships. And so this guy, or this, this group that were hired first, they see these guys getting a, the same day's wage. They're assuming they're going to get more because that's how they think. They're a bunch of little mathematicians. Watch out, bureaucrats. So they get up there, and they get a day's wage. And I love this. It sounds like, like I said, when you're like three, you're excited to do work with mom and dad. When you're 13, it's awful, and you're going to sound just like this. And then I think when we get older, we sound like this too. So this one guy says this. They start to grumble because they can't believe these worthless, weak, disabled Older people that did nothing and were just hired got all of that. Great. They're thinking they're going to get far more because they're worth more. And and, uh, this is what happens. The master hears him grumbling. And so he uh, says, uh, this is what they said. These, okay, this is what they said. They go, man, these last worked only one hour. And you've made them equal to us, right? We're getting the same wage. And this is how they describe their work. And this might remind you of your teenage self. Who've borne the burden of the day 
and the scorching heat, like one day, right? I remember saying this, like, Joel, can you do the dishes? You know, like, oh, okay. And you finish it, and you're like, oh, man, I did the dishes today. Like, that sounds like adult us too. It doesn't leave us as teenagers. I mean, they just make this dramatic, right? And the master says, look what he says. But he replied to one of them after they're complaining, saying, we worked so hard, and these guys didn't do anything. How dare they be treated as equal to us? And the master says this. And I just noticed that today. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to? This is very important. Your relationship with God and your theological, philosophical, logical understanding, am I not allowed to do what I choose to with what is mine? That's theology 101. You're not God. That's God. You, you, you have no business telling God how to run things, what morality is, what to do with your body versus what he wants you to do with your body. What are you doing? You're not God. And your stuff is not yours, even your body. I'm not allowed to do what I choose with. That's one sin we do, right? We want to tell God what to do with his stuff. Second, do you begrudge my generosity? We do that too, don't we? What's the problem here? Oftentimes people say that this parable is for those that get mad when someone on their deathbed who wasn't a Christian, who did whatever they wanted to, and now they convert and become a Christian, and they're going to go to heaven, right? And this parable, we're told, that addresses that. Don't be jealous because somebody had an awesome life, and then at the very last second... Uh, got to go to heaven, and what? And not suffer like we do. But that's not what this is about. That's, that's kind of, but this is deeper. What kind of weirdo would talk like this? What is Christianity? Is it a get-out-of-jail-free card, get-out-of-hell-free card? I think people do, like Christianity is believe in Jesus and you'll go to heaven, but here it's going to stink. And you're going to have to do good works and work hard for God and not have fun like everybody else does, but then you're going to go to heaven. If you think like that, then you might be mad at someone who's like, they did whatever they wanted to, and then now they're going to heaven. That's not fair. But that's not what Christianity is. We are the last in this parable. Christianity is, is, is it's, it's kind of like thinking that when you're three years old, you're really helping mom and dad with that hammer or whatever. And that they love you because you're really good at hammering that nail. That's not the faith. Or maybe you think God loves you because you're a really good Christian. Or really good at doing good works and you do mission work. Or you give a lot to the church, and therefore God loves you. So how dare that person who didn't give to the church once, who didn't do squat, lived their own life, did whatever they wanted to, how can they go to heaven? You know who's really sad? It's you. Because you were living in a relationship where you think you're a worker in God's vineyard. If you look at this parable, these people aren't workers. They're like a three-year-old. 
God picked him up, the master did, brought him into this beautiful vineyard at any time of the day. They weren't helping him at all. He was giving them an identity, a sense of meaning, a home. And he even calls them friend, not slave, not employee 537. And sadly, this guy doesn't realize that he's been befriended by the master, that they have a love and there's a relationship that's not due to how hard or strong you are, and that they and their works aren't needed by the master in the first place. And that's us in Christ. We are the last. That's the joke. This is not, uh, this is not about, uh, hey, when you have a potluck, you should go stand the last of the line. This is all about you're the last, and that's okay. You're the last person on the team, and that's okay. You are the weak. You are the broken. You're the idol. Just like that guy who was hired first. How does he think he's that great? He has no property, no job, nothing. Would you like to be a day laborer? Probably not. And yet this dude starts comparing himself and feeling good about himself, thinking he's some sort of, no, but that's us too. And that our life that we have is not like a stinky life, but at least we're going to go to heaven. You've been given an identity. You've been washed clean. Christ has paid for your sins totally. You are forgiven. You are released from worrying about your sin. And you've been given eternal life. And that's not just a joy for tomorrow, but for today. You get to be in God's vineyard. And you can go home and you can have meaning and you can have purpose in life. And it's free. Isn't that beautiful? And you're a friend and not a worker. When we talk about this campaign of building on Christ and impacting lives, that's what we're talking about. Not converting people to Jesus, but bringing hope and peace and meaning and purpose into people's lives who are standing around idle with an idle worldview that's based on nothing and going nowhere. You know what that means. And we're there to give them, to hire them, to pick them up, to bring them into the community just like us, a bunch of lasts, and give them meaning and purpose in life. May God bless our efforts in doing that, and may you who are last realize you are first in Jesus, just like this little person right here. In Jesus' name, amen.